welcome to the Mesh Young Adult Ministry Podcast. Today, we will be looking at the importance of teamwork. Now to our host, Kevin Lyons. Um, so, for those that are OCD like me and need a handout that if you don't have one, raise your hand and if you really have the need to fill in blanks, because it's important in life to fill in blanks. And yes, I saved a tree today by cutting the papers in half. Um, before we get started, <laughs> two things. As I'm in there um, making my copies, looked in the trash, and here's, I, I don't know if this is for today's service for the choir, but it says something, something, let one person yell. And then the next instructions are yell, shout, scream. And then the last one is yell, just not in your mic. So it, it, it's so now I can't wait to go to service because I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then one other thing, um, on a very serious note, since I've got a group of young adults um, and Darla teed this up so well. She mentioned, you know, the challenges with debt and finances and the, and the stress that it puts on, on people in general, but on young adults. If I can challenge you guys to put something on your list of things to work on, it's finances. Do what you can to learn all you can to do the best you can. You're not going to get it right. Um, you don't have to be a financial expert. You don't have to go get a degree in accounting to run your own finances, but you do have to care. Because if you, if you let that just be an area that you think will just get figured out eventually, and we'll get married, we'll end up with two jobs, we'll have whatever, and it'll just take care of itself, that's a mistake. And if you're engaged, married, gonna get married someday, have that conversation and discuss that topic before you walk down that aisle. Get on the same page. It is so important. All right, I feel like that was a little bit of a rant, sorry. <laughs> I am past it. Uh, it, it. It matters so much, and you need to be able to live your best life, and you're not going to get there if you, if you don't focus on that area. Today, we are going to talk about teamwork. Um, and so I want you guys to think for a second about a um, team that you have been on that was successful. Might have been a sports team. You know, it might have been a project in school, might have been some kind of work-centric um, thing. Think about that for a minute and tell me what you think of about the teams and the teammates um, when you think about that topic. What's your thoughts? Well, what was a, sorry, I'm trying to sign in as I talk. What was a, um, what was a successful team for you? Somebody had one. They were motivated, okay? Okay. Communicated well. Reliable. Ah, different skill sets. I actually really like that one. Honest, okay? Teachable. Family. Okay. 
their role and how it related to the end goal, the bigger goal. Well, you guys pretty much just taught the class, so I don't know what I'll do next. <laughs> um, the, you, I, think, I think you hit probably all of them, if not every one of them. So, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a few stories and teach a few points today. So you've got handouts, and we, so we've got three points. Um, when I think back about a, a team that I was successful on or that the team was successful and I was a part of it, um, I actually have to go way back, um, <laughs> as Pastor Randy said, previous to the 1990s, there was this decade called the 1980s. <laughs> um, I, Stranger things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I happened to be in college during that time. Um, I know that's maybe hard to believe or not too hard to believe. Um, so in, in the end of um, the 80s, and I think this all happened in 1988, uh, in addition, that was the year I met my beautiful wife, um, I was a member of a team that we were successful, and it turned out it was a two-person team, two plus three. She'll come into the story in just a minute. Um, and so we, we were successful, and, and what it was is this gentleman and I, his name was Alan, Alan Tackett, um, we were both computer science majors at our college. And so all of you that are in college or have been through college, you know, college teaches you a lot of things in the classroom. We got an opportunity to learn some things outside the classroom that honestly shaped my entire life. Um, so that's one aspect of its success, but we were very successful on the particular topic I'm going to talk to today. <clears throat> Alan's mother worked at a Levi's facility, and she had asked him to write some software to help their office managers basically out. Um, a little bit of finance, a little bit of inventory tracking, and that kind of thing. It's pretty, in the grand scheme of things, pretty simple um, to a couple 20-year-olds um, is a pretty big deal. So he had mentioned it to me, and, and I, um, I told him, I said, that would be deep. If you ever need help, let me know, because I'd like to help. And um, I think that was in my sophomore year. So in my junior year, he came by one time and said, I think, I think this thing's going to get some more legs. Would you be willing to help? I said, absolutely. So over the next about a year, uh, we spent every non-class, non-class project hour working on this software. It was one of the best teaching opportunities I had because we got to do real work for the first time. I mean, again, college is phenomenal. You get to do a lot of real-world applicable projects in college, but you don't, you don't really learn what you need to learn until the real world hits you. And, um, and so that's what happened with this. And so Alan, Alan knew the space better than I did. His mom had taught him what they needed in the office. So I didn't really understand what the software needed to be in essence. Alan was smarter than I am. Um, Alan went on to get a double major um, in his undergrad and then went on to get a PhD in physics from Wake Forest. And if you know anything about some of the schools in, in North, North Carolina area, to get a PhD in physics in Wake Forest, your elevator goes all the way to the top of the floor. And Alan's did. Mine stopped somewhere around the middle of the building. <laughs> so um, super smart guy, super knowledgeable of the space. And so I was excited just to be on the team. Um, and so whatever Alan needed to do, I would try to do everything else that he didn't have time to do. And we worked out to be a pretty decent team. So come our senior year, um, we had a big project in our, in our final um, semester and our, our wonderful smart teacher and really annoying um, set up the class basically had one grade. It was a, a software project to do at the end of the semester. 
um, and he spent all part of the first semester just encouraging us, get started early, get started early. You're, you're going to think this is easy. You've got to start early. We didn't because Alan and I were going to change the world with our software we were writing for Levi. Um, and so what we didn't know was the teacher gave us, in essence, half the project, a piece of software, and then we had to write another piece of software to work with it. What we didn't know was the teacher sabotaged his piece of the software. So he would know when the students got to that point to find out that they had, they had done enough work to arrive at the understanding that his software didn't really work. We arrived at that understanding somewhere around May 2nd, probably. Um, and the project was probably due, I don't know, maybe May 5th. It was, it was late. We had, we had spent every waking hour outside of class, honestly, working on the Levi's project. And so when we hit the understanding um, that, that, that we had goofed up um, and we were in bad, bad shape, we um, luckily, 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 Alan had the keys to the computer science lab at OBU um, because he was double majoring it, it with the school over there. And so we stayed up, I don't know how many hours we stayed up straight. And what we decided to do was we were going to pair on this. And Alan re rewrote the teacher software, and I wrote the entire class project so that they would work together in the end. And, and we, we, we may have gone 48 hours without sleep. I mean, it, it was pretty stupid. Um, so at the end of an all-nighter, we got it working. Um, we actually met Charlotte. Char Charlotte and I had been married for three months at this point, four months. Um, we met her at, at Hardee's. Um, at like six o'clock in the morning because you're a college student and that's where you go at six o'clock in the morning. We had, we had breakfast. Charlotte drove us to the campus. We turned in our um, networking project and then she drove us to Little Rock while we slept in the truck um, because we did our first ever software install at Levi's facility that used to be out on Pratt Road out towards um, Pine Bluff. Um, it went successful. We got our $800 check we, I think today's money, it's $100,000, or it felt like $100,000. We literally ran back to the, to the campus and went into the library and made a copy of the check, not because we were going to try to, you know, launder it or something, but we just thought it was the coolest thing. First time I ever found that checks had watermarks on them that said this is a copy. Anyway, it was, it was a big deal. Um, so at the end of all that story, long story to say this, um, and somebody said reliable, Great team members are dependable. Alan and I trusted each other. Um, we knew where our strengths were. We knew where our weaknesses were. Um, we turned out to be a really good pair. Um, that's not doesn't always happen, but my encouragement to you is to be dependable. When you're on a team, find the place that you can serve and be the best team member that you can be. Be there on time do things with integrity so people trust you and just be a good team member be dependable by the way we did make an a on our project um, and we did sell the Levi software maybe three or four more times um, so we made a whopping you know twenty five hundred dollars I'll say there was a slim chance that Levi's was going to, corporate Levi's was going to buy the license to our software for about $50,000. It didn't turn out. And um, so if I go back and do the math on the, um, the number of hours we spent on it, what our hourly rate was, 
It wasn't a good financial decision, back to my earlier point. But it was a phenomenal life lesson. Phenomenal life lesson. So the next story, so I was working on the next story for the next bullet. Um, and I was actually trying to think, what in the world am I going to say about this particular point? Let me check my time. Um, and and I've, I've come to appreciate the phrase servant leader. Um, I, I think there's, there's so much to unpack and uncover about that topic and what it means to be a servant leader. And so I actually, um, last night, had wrestled with a couple different stories trying to figure out which one would be best to illustrate um, the, the, the concept of a servant leader. And then I was, you know, not to apologize, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that this is the best story. Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Jesus came and served us, the leader of our world, came to serve us through death for our salvation. You cannot be a better team member than being the one who's the servant leader, who says, I'm going to set aside my title, I'm gonna set aside my age, I'm gonna set aside my education, I'm gonna set aside my prestige, and I'm gonna make it, again, somebody said this, about what is this team about what are they trying to accomplish and what can I do? And Jesus gave up his life. You may have to give up something to be the right teammate. And so the second bullet is great team members are selfless. And so put out to the side servant leader. Again, I think that's a topic that, that serves people well to look into and study for the rest of your life. I'm blessed actually right now, the company I work for has a CEO who models this day in, day out, and, and we have a large group of people um, who I've, I've told him multiple times how impressed I am that they are servant leaders. I've, I've worked in, I don't know, I've worked in five or, five or something companies, five or six companies maybe, and um, so I've got to experience the real life world of the authoritative model of getting work done and the model that I'm currently blessed to get to work in, which is the servant leader model of, get, of, of getting work done. Um, so you will be a great teammate if you're a selfless worker. Give up what it's about for you and focus on what it is, about the team, it is for the team and what their mission. I know at least one person in this room will appreciate the next story. Um, anybody like golf besides me and Donovan? Hey, we got one more. Yay. We have three. Grant, we have four. Um, so if you don't know much about golf, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you just a little bit about it. Um, it, it I, it's my favorite sport. Um, might have something to do with my age. It's the only sport I can play. 
Um, I still don't play it very much, um, but it, it is a phenomenal sport. One of the interesting things I find about it um, is it's not one of those sports that you can physically gifted people can just overpower. A lot of sports like basketball and football and baseball, a lot, a lot of times you, you find the person who can run faster and they can excel or who is stronger in that situation or they can excel. You can somewhat overpower the game that you're playing by just physical um, attributes. And golf's not really that way. Golf is an athletic sport. I mean, you, you have to be a decent athlete, but it's really a sport that's a more about precision than it is about pure strength and speed and just overcoming. The other interesting thing about golf is it's very mental. Um, again, not demeaning any other sport uh, because, you know, saying they're not mental. Um, one of the interesting things about golf is it is very often you, if you ever play and play, you know, kind of seriously to be competitive for your, with yourself, um, you will find yourself, yourself alone out on the course and it's you and the course and all the evil thoughts that are going through your head. <laughs> like there's water between me and the hole or the wind is blowing in my face or the wind is blowing behind me or the last shot that I just took was awful and I do that mistake over and over again and then you stand up over the ball and because you've got all these thoughts racing through your mind, you make the same mistake again. Um, it is a, it is mental in that way. It's, it's not math mental. It's, you know, you're not, you might think, you know, you got to go out and calculate physics in order to figure out how to play golf. It's not it at all. It's all about you and success and failure and what you did last time and quote unquote, somewhat the elements, you know, the course and, and the weather around you. So, and you look at, you look at professional players. Um, and if you ever watch golf on t TV, you'll see this. I mean, it's, it's one guy or girl out on a, on a, big open farm um, that's manicured real well there they have a caddy so they do have a little bit of somebody with them and there's a crowd of people around them but it's them and that little white ball it can be a very lonely can you log me in um, it can be a very lonely sport but ooh, did you go to the very beginning yeah. ah. No, 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 let it, let it do the ad, then it'll jump to that part, I think. Yes, it did. Ah. Sorry, let me, let me, it was set on, no, that's good. It was set on a certain point, so let me move it. Because we're not going to sit here for the hour and 14 minutes or something. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> okay, I think we'll be good right here. Have to ignore the shirts that they're wearing. <laughs> 1992, again, a decade to a few decades ago. Oh. 
Thankfully, the guy missed the putt, uh, the next guy. So um, in golf, every two years, uh, there's this thing called the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup, in essence, is the all-star game of golf. So other sports have all-star games. Um, again, if, you're, if you like any other sports, the NFL has an all-star game. Major League Baseball has an all-star game. The NBA has an all-star game. And generally speaking, um, those all-star games are jokes. The NFL is called Pro Bowl. Uh, half the people voted to the Pro Bowl don't even go play. Um, Major League Baseball's All-Star Game used to have some meaning to it because it would determine the home, home field advantage for the World Series, but they stopped that. Uh, yeah, and so now it's turned into just to another spectacle. Um, the NBA is no defense and see if you can score 200 points. Um, it, it's just a show. But golf is different. Um, golf, again, it's every two years. And so what happens is the Ryder Cup, again, it's not really called All-Star, but that's what it is. The Ryder Cup is a competition between the United States and Europe. Um, it used to be just against Great Britain, but now it's against all of Europe. It, is, it was started in 1927, so we're almost hitting the 100-year mark. So it has a lot of history to it. Um, and, and basically the best players from around the world, from the US and the best players from Europe are selected to compete against each other. It's the first time golf becomes a team sport. Otherwise, golf is you against the elements and against the course. But for one time, one weekend, every two years, um, it becomes a team sport. Ironically, it is this weekend in Wisconsin um, and the US is up 11 to five and they've lost Ooh, like the last six or something. I don't know. It's been a while. We're way behind. And right now, Europe has the number one player, and we have the number two through like eight players. So there's a good chance. Fingers crossed. Um, but anyway, so for, for twice a year, they set aside their personal preferences. Um, they set aside their, their individual accomplishments. Um, their rankings, you know, matter for probably how they get picked. Um, but they don't care about what they're trying to accomplish for their money and all that kind of stuff for this weekend they care about one thing and that is this particular situation their country or their continent winning the Ryder Cup um, so the the next bullet point is if you're going to be a great teammate and a great team member you need to be missions Focus, sorry. The book that we're reading is Missions Conscious, and I can't spell conscious, so I changed it to focus. You need to be missions focused. Really great, again, somebody in the opening session here um, hit on this. Really great teammates set aside their personal preferences, set aside their own accomplishments, set aside their titles, set aside their prestige, and they focus on what the objective is for the team.
um, in this case, again, all of the golfers, they wear ugly shirts. Thankfully, the shirts have gotten better. But for a period of time, the Ryder Cup shirts were the worst shirts imaginable. Um, and I think, I think then golf realized that there's value in, you know, merchandise and you make a lot of money that way. Um, but for a period of time, it was the ugliest shirts possible uh, because they were the shirts that were going to represent their particular continent or country at the time. Uh, but they set all that aside, the golfers do, for one weekend every two years so they can focus on being their best for what they're representing. And in this case, it's representing, um, for our team, it's representing the U.S. So the question that I want all of you to walk away with today, we're going to talk, I think, about maybe teamwork again some next week. But today's challenge is as a team member, am I on the team or am I in the way? Am I on the team or am I in the way? I left a company that I worked for um, for 14 years. And when I, I took my next job, um, somebody asked me why I was leaving and, and what I was looking for. And my answer was, I want to work with somebody and work with a company and a team that I feel like we're all rowing in the same direction. And unfortunately, at the company I was at at that time, I wasn't. I didn't feel like what I was trying to accomplish and what the company at the time was trying to accomplish, we were in different directions. And, and so I felt I needed to go change. Honestly, took me a couple hops in a couple other companies before I landed back at a company that I felt fit and that I was rowing in the same direction that the company was rowing. So as a teammate, as a team member, make sure you, you recognize, um, are you just on the team? And are you rowing in the right direction with the team? Or are you actually in the way and slowing the team down? And the way to accomplish that is to be selfless, to be missions focused, and to be dependable in all things.